Welcome to the podcast filled with his love, the only podcast that draws upon both religion and psychology to help you strengthen your attachment relationships. Here's your host, Dr. Russ Osgothorpe, Emeritus Professor of Instructional Psychology and Technology, author and speaker. His latest book entitled Filled with His Love, Strengthening Our Attachment to God and to Others is available on Amazon now. We all recognize how essential memory is to our well-being, especially when we observe a loved one develop dementia. So the loss of memory can have devastating effects on our ability to take care of ourselves and especially to care for others. But when our memory is functioning at peak performance, it can also have negative effects. Psychologists have shown that dwelling on a negative event in our past can bring up all the debilitating emotions that accompanied the event in the first place. Those who have experienced trauma often relive the trauma in their minds, and that reliving does physiological as well as emotional damage. Just recalling a negative memory in our past can cause a change in our heart rate, cause us to sweat, and bring on anxiety in the present, even though the event may have occurred many years ago. When asked to remember past relationships, those with an anxious attachment style often focus on the hurt and rejection they felt from someone they wanted to be close to. Those with an avoidant attachment style often have difficulty remembering relationships in the past, They often block those memories out because they experience neglect or abuse. A significant part of our own autobiography is our personal history of relationships. We all have memories of our relationships with parents, with siblings, with relatives and friends. Those relationships helped form us. They helped to make us who we are. If our past relationships bring back memories of abuse or neglect or rejection, then those experiences affect our relationships today. But here's the important point. Negative experiences in the past can only have as much power over us as we allow them to have. In other words, it's all about memory. When we have a quiet moment, do we dwell on those negative experiences? Do we let them cause pain all over again? Or do we replace them with more positive, healthy experiences? Neuroscientists have shown that self-talk is often more negative than positive. We're typically quite hard on ourselves, blaming, shaming, and doing ourselves in. So we have relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves. In the book of Moses, the Lord has a conversation with Enoch and weeps. Enoch is apparently shocked by the Lord's display of emotion. He asks the Lord, Why are you weeping? You are all-powerful. You are full of mercy and holiness. So why are you weeping? And then the Lord explains, And unto thy brethren I have said, and also given commandment, that they should love one another, and that they should choose me, their father. But behold, they are without affection, and they hate their own blood. We could actually spend hours thinking about what this one verse means. The Lord was weeping because his children were not loving one another. 
Not because of some outward sin that we typically think of when we think of the Lord being disappointed in the behavior of children. It was all about love, all about attachment. And the last line of that verse is the clincher. Quote, they are without affection, and they hate their own blood. End quote. So that short verse brings us all the way back to the first two commandments. God's children were not choosing him. In other words, they were not obeying the first commandment to love God. And they were not also not obeying the second commandment to love their neighbor. And they failed to obey the second part of that second commandment to love themselves. They hated their own blood. Now, let's come back to the implications that all of this has for memory and attachment. The reason people distance themselves from one another, whether that distancing is simply ignoring the person or actively refusing to associate with them, the reason that distancing occurs is because of negative relational experiences. But not just that, it's the constant dwelling on those negative experiences, the frequent recollection of the event that drove the wedge between the two people in the beginning. Memory always plays a part. I have titled this podcast, Remember Love. Our memories can either help us or hurt us. Memories can build upon positive relational experiences or negative ones. The scriptures are full of the injunction to remember. We are counseled to remember our covenants, remember to keep the commandments, remember the goodness of God, remember how merciful he has been to our ancestors, remember his power to deliver us, forgive us, and love us. We need to remember that he first loved us. These are memories of healthy, secure, life-giving attachments, our attachment to God and to his children. At our family reunions, we always find time to reflect on those who came before us, grandparents and great-grandparents. Invariably, the, the memories we recount are memories of the love they had for their children, and hence for us. We remember love. My wife and I periodically like to reflect back on our life and ask each other to pick a favorite memory. We can go on and on, pulling up memories of events that we treasure. We try to remember love. We might ask ourselves from time to time why we tend to hold on to negative memories more than positive ones. What is it in the makeup of humans that keep them from letting go of past events that diminish them in some way? It might be because we have never unraveled the negative event. We have never figured out what we did that made things go wrong or why someone else said or did something that caused us pain. So we keep fretting over it, trying to figure it out. Here's my suggestion. When I say that we need to spend more time on remembering love, remembering the positive relational experiences in our past, I am not saying that we need to pretend that the negative ones never occurred. We need to deal with those past experiences. If that means we need to get professional counseling, then by all means, let's do it. But as we come to peace with our past, we need to actively make certain that we let go of ineffective patterns and replace them with new, more life-giving ways of being and behaving. Now back to that powerful verse in Moses. 
God wept because his children were without affection toward him, toward each other, or toward themselves. He might have said to them, I gave you agency so you could choose to love, but you chose a different path, and that causes my ultimate sadness. I'd like to think also of a very different scene. In this scene, the Lord looks upon his children as in 4th Nephi and sees that they have all things in common, that they care so much for each other that they refuse to let anyone go hungry or naked. He sees that they have given up their tribal prejudices, that there are no more ites of any kind, but that they are all made one and partakers of the heavenly gift. Although the account does not say this, I see the Lord rejoicing rather than weeping. He's looking down at his children and saying something like, I sent you to earth to learn one thing above all others, to learn how to love. And you are full of affection for one another, for yourselves and for me. You have truly fulfilled your reason for being. The scene could happen in our families. It could happen with those we befriend. We could be full of affection rather than prejudice, full of kindness rather than harshness. Rather than dredging up negative memories of the past, we could remember to love, only love.